welcome back to the 7pm cafe podcast to a new episode of the mental health mini series today's theme is the documentary framing Brittany. maggie is back grab your coffee your tea or your favorite drink and listen Welcome back to the 7 p.m. Cafe Podcast. Today is a new episode of the Mental Health Mini-Series. And today we have with us back Maggie. Hi, Maggie. Hey, everybody. Hey, Lucy. It's good to be back. The theme that we chose, Framing Britney by the New York Times. I think it was on TV, but I saw it on Hulu. So this is free sponsorship. Like, we don't have anything. <laughs> And they're talking about the free movement, free Britney movement, and her conservatorship. I said it right? Mm -hmm. Yes, conservatorship. Yeah. I got a little intro for you guys. So I brought the idea of talking about the Framing Britney documentary. As an artist, Maggie and I work in the arts. So we have the inside and we can see from the outside and bring different perspectives to the situation. Maggie can share her social work experience as well as looking at it. When you start, you do it for the love of it. Some one thing. But the center for me is a job, it's work, it's a career, it's an entertainment, it's a business. But once a celebrity hits the fame status, their life becomes public. The line becomes almost invisible where the public life and private life and work life should be. So this is why we wanted to talk about this. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, when Lucy brought this idea up as a part of the mental health miniseries, I immediately went and watched the documentary because I was like, I haven't seen it yet. But when looking at it, the underscoring of you know that being famous piece, yes, it comes with all this fame, comes with money, comes with all these things, and you lose your anonymity, you lose your self because of all the other people who are trying to get into your life. In thinking about that and actually watching the documentary and thinking about it from a mental health standpoint, there's so much to talk about. Like the way that our system, our country kind of looks at celebrities and their lives and how we have a quote unquote right to know all about them when they're just regular people. Like Lucy said, you know, we both worked, uh, well, worked and work within the performing arts community. And there's so much of that like infringing on our lives and not having the space to actually live happening in so many different ways that I'm glad that we're starting to have a larger conversation about it. And I think that's why we wanted to bring it here. Yes, I also wanted to make a, like a, a note. I wanted to make a note. Um, we are looking at it just like everyone else from the outside. Like we don't know what she gone through. We don't know her mental health. We don't know if she has an illness, um, if she had a disorder or she still does. So I don't want to make um, people listen and be like, oh, but you don't know. She has both part and depression. I don't know. That's what people say. Like the same information you guys have, the same information we have. We have no contact with them. We don't know her personally. 
So I don't want us to be criticizing her decisions because we think she had that mental health. We just wanted to talk about how the arts and how the public and how the media treated her despite or no, she had a mental health issue. Yeah, definitely. Appreciate that. So her life became too public. So did her personal problems. So her dad stepped in and took control whether that was her right decision or was the best decision for Brittany, we can't say. We are not there to be able to speak about that. Our take on this episode and our thoughts on her mental health, whether she was depressed or was the pressure she felt that led her all the situations that happened. The media, the public, the magazine, the paparazzi, she lost sense of what was private because she had left and less of it and too many opinions but no one seems to care of her mental health oh that's what we see this was a conversation that was open that was not open back then about mental health and the artists um, we see it now and we wonder when we see a celebrity behaving in a certain way so we now can be like maybe they suffer mental health but back then it was it was just she's crazy and we all took it nobody questioned like we just believed whatever the media fed us and we didn't have social media like right now so we didn't know the paparazzis in the media have more control of her story than what she had on her story and what we saw as the audience yeah and i think that's one thing that the documentary so wonderfully put into perspective of i mean i think the other part that was crazy but also wonderful was the fact that in the documentary you never heard directly from Brittany herself you never heard directly from anyone in the Spears family because no one actually answered their outreach to have this conversation so it was talking to other people who were within the vicinity or understood from a different standpoint of what was actually going on when we think back on when this all happened and when this all started you're right that was the first time that we had really seen anyone in the public eye be so bombarded with paparazzi and literally not having control over what the narrative was about their life. And you could see that from some of the interviews that happened and some of the stories that came out. In no part of it was her side actually being taken as word. Everyone was listening to everyone else. Some people were kind of accusatory toward her going through and using that story, using that fragility as a turning point for art or for their own personal gain, especially with like the paparazzi and things like that. That was the first time that we actually saw what Hollywood can do to a person in mainstream. And I think from that point, it's given so many other artists the ability to actually have open conversations about what they're going through and what's happening and be able to take control of their own stories. A couple that come to mind are like Demi Lovato, who's been very vocal about her journey with mental health and substance use issues or eating disorders, things like that. Other stars like, I mean, Robert Downey Jr., for instance, was, he had so many issues at one point in time and has now, you know, gotten those under control and is now Iron Man. I mean, come on. There's just the ability to have more conversations. And I think this 
span of time, especially in that era with Brittany and Paris and Lindsay Lohan and Amanda Bynes, all of those guys, like this is when we started seeing that kind of shift of what a paparazzo will do, how the conversation of celebrities and their lives had changed into something that was uncontrollable. I know it was crazy when um I think it was the U.S. Um, weekly director, former director. And he's like, they started with $140,000 in imagery for a week to seven to $8 million for a photo. At that moment, they did not care what the person was going through, if they were living their personal lives. Like they were taking pictures. It was money making. And mm -hmm. then we didn't have, for the people that are young, we didn't have social media. The only way you can learn about the celebrity life was through this magazines like the internet was not even that much popular to like look online yeah. it was the magazines and they make money that way and they didn't care when she was private with her kiss moments she went to get her haircut that they made it so big like those things that people do today that is normal they made it such a big deal out of it just for the money that we're making mm -hmm. there was one thing that he said that I wrote it down because it was like mind-blowing he said the goal is not it was not sort of to be negative about these people it was sort of like to enjoy their lives as an inspiration I'm like what <laughs> you took advantage of their negatives or make something negative to make able to make money because there was a competition there was a lot of magazines so whoever had the biggest um, story was the one that was gonna sell Yeah. And for anyone who is on the younger side, who's listening <laughs> to this, this timeline was in the 90s and early 2000s, where the internet was just starting. Like social media platforms didn't happen until much later in like Britney's career and in our lives. That looking at magazines and other television news outlets was the only way that you got it, like Lucy said. Yeah. And I think with in the documentary, you saw how that paparazzi life and how the swarming of every intimate moment of time just driving down the streets was so difficult to get through because there are people just swarming her car. And if you are going from place to place and you do not have a moment of peace, can you imagine the anxiety? Can you imagine the amount of like willpower and strength it would take to just walk outside it's it's such a mental strain and you wonder why things happen the way they did and you lose control like even to go to the supermarket to get milk you will need to have someone else to do it because like you lose your your private life and it's like mm -hmm. i understand that people say it counts with the work but it's a work it's a job so it should be we should be in a point where it's about the job it's about the career it's not about the personal life but in this This moment in time life became more interesting than their work like she could go and do an interview and they will ask her everything about her life and nothing about the album that she was she was trying to promote mm -hmm. or the shows that she was doing or anything because mm -hmm. there was such a huge career happening for her uh, before all of that happened and everything got turned into something that it wasn't and mm -hmm. people's opinions of 
her artistic vision of how she perceived herself within the world and within the world of music as this girl that's it as this girl who decided to become a woman and decided to put herself out there like everyone else would want to and was only doing it because that's what she wanted to do that was how she wanted to present herself to the world and follow her own truth and then people started turning on her and it got to a point where things just broke down and I think I mean the more we talk about this the more I think about like when I worked on Broadway and stage doors for instance, like mm-hmm. Broadway stars. I don't know if there's paparazzi for Broadway stars. I, I don't really know if that exists. But I definitely remember like when I worked on Les Mis, the amount of we also worked right next to Hamilton. So that was also an experience. But <laughs> just the amount of people that would swarm the stage door at the end of shows to get those autographs to just say what they needed to say was a little crazy at times. And we had to have security. We had to have measures to make sure that they could get out safely because you never knew what was going to happen because fans or people who just want to see something, it can, I felt and still feel like that's an invasion of privacy. Like I still don't go to stage doors unless I know someone in the show and they're getting me back in, you know, like (laughs) I don't, I don't do that because they just want to go home. They've been working for 12 hours. They've been on the stage doing this job. I just want to let them go home. They were amazing and I appreciate their art. And if I do see them, that's great. But I think we've lost a sense of the fact that celebrities or people who are musicians, actors, artists, they're people. They're just people. And they have problems like everyone else does. They have families, they have mental health issues, they have physical health issues. All of these things that athletes, same idea. They're just people, but they have this platform where people are like, oh, I want to see everything that they do. Would you like to be, I mean, just ask yourself, would you like to have someone follow you around for three days trying to get pictures of everything that you do? A man, a strange man. Yeah, someone you've never met before following you around telling you oh hey um can you just pose for a second because like I just want to make sure that you're okay oh are you okay I'm just gonna film that you're okay Mm-hmm. no no leave them alone there was something that took me like getting back to the mental health issue is so diane sawyer did an interview and like one of the things that she mentioned was the governor comment mm-hmm. that she said really if i had an opportunity to shoot britney spears i think i would i have so many problems with that comment one diane is a woman two it's another woman making the comment and there is so a woman reading a woman's comment not feeling bad about saying that to another woman yeah like we have so many problems in this misogyny culture and to have another woman attacking another woman is like crazy to me yeah and I'm so glad you brought that up that interview alone has yes. so many things were just <laughs> so cringeworthy like the social worker in me watching that interview was like okay this is a complete like travesty I would have never 
before thinking about it right now, I just had this thought. I feel like when interviews happen for celebrities or other people, there needs to be someone like a social worker or someone like that on staff who's reading all of this stuff. And you can like figure out if these questions are going to be harmful or re-traumatizing or whatever, because there are so many times when these interviews just go a very wrong way and they go very accusatory. And I feel like it shouldn't be that way side note but yeah it's just the fact that women we are so in the intersectionality of life being a woman is hard because we've been treated as property as less than for a very long time like many other races nationalities gender identities and when women have power and they decide to use that power to put other women down it's not it you're right it feels wrong it feels I don't know it just feels like you're taking a crown and just like dropping it on the ground and stomping on it when we really should just be building each other up yeah and I don't know how to change that it was so wrong the comment to like she even excused the governor and she's like oh but the stuff that you're doing are like the kids you're an example I'm like you she is the parent parents teach their kids what is good what is not you don't rely on arts and you don't rely on teachers because my mom was a teacher so I know like it, it starts in the home so are you gonna relate on a 20 year old who's trying to figure herself out to teach your kids what they should or shouldn't do yeah and it, it goes back to that like having a conversation about what's happening I mean I'm not a parent so I, I can't speak for parents I know it's a difficult time especially right now with everything going on but parents have every right to have conversations with their kids about what they're looking at or what they're seeing and if a kid has questions about why is that woman having a snake around her neck wearing a two-piece which was beautiful by the way but like why did she choose to do that can I do that you know you exactly have... like just use it as to have a conversation what a beautiful time when she was going and through her stuff to be like let's talk about mental health let's talk about why she's behaving this way instead of like she's crazy like don't listen to her yeah and I think that comment right there the like labeling it as crazy is something else that I was talking to another bunch of people the other day and it's that label of crazy when people are going through a mental health crisis. Mm -hmm. Okay, if they're going through something, labeling it as crazy and turning your back does nothing. It doesn't help the problem. It just vilifies mental health again. And most people with mental health issues, in my understanding, with mental health disorders or issues are not violent. Mm -hmm. And the ones who are, are the ones who need the most support and the most help and yet we still vilify talking about mental health we vilify having a conversation like this one to not seeing everything that's going on and without having those that other knowledge of looking at not only going back to Brittany not only was she going through a divorce it was uh, child custody mm -hmm. it was the paparazzi all of these things compounding into this point where she got so fed up that she shaved her head let's talk about for me the truth I think that that moment that we all talk about when she hit the paparazzi with 
the umbrella. Mm -hmm. If the paparazzi was not there, she wouldn't done that. It was them pushing her mm -hmm. in her private moment, going through losing the possibility of losing her kids, and they still filming that. That's not part of her job. That's not part of her career. So you're filming her and following her on her private life. She's on a very low point in a divorce, maybe losing her kids. She did, but like in the moment, she didn't know. And she's just in a gas station and you're there taking her pictures. So yes, <laughs> like yeah. not even, not even mental health, but anyone would have break. Exactly. Like you're in the most vulnerable part of your life where you're going through all these things and somebody is filming you. And asking, oh, I'm just checking to see if you're okay, but you're really not. You're really not checking if she was okay, because if you were, you'd leave her alone. Mm -hmm. Personal opinion. Yes, and then he's like, one of the things that really bothered me about that paparazzi is he said, that night was a bad night for her, but it was a good night for me. I'm like, oh my God, like you're such a man and you don't care about mental health and it was all about the money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. In that whole interview with him in the documentary, it was at no point in time was there any, I felt that there was no actual, it, yeah, like, he didn't take responsibility. For, yeah, didn't take a responsibility, one, for his part in it, and two, didn't actually see Britney as a person. It was an entity. It was a way to make money. It mm -hmm. was property. Mm -hmm. That's what it was. It was that property, again, using celebrity status as, oh, you are public property. You don't get to have a moment by yourself to break down in a gas station when you're just trying to go see your kids and I think that was one beautiful thing that the documentary did do it showed it from four different angles on like what actually happened at that moment and all the things that brought together all of this so that like when I thought back to when I first saw mm -hmm. those pictures or saw that video I was like oh my god what is what's going on like I was worried for her mm -hmm. I didn't really care about them too much but it was like this is different behavior this has never happened before so far left and never brought it back to how she's actually doing and that I think from that moment and that break of her armor that she had had to put on for so long was what started all the things with the conservatorship and how that all came into pass it was like it's such a messed up situation because I am not, like I said in the beginning, I don't know her. I don't know the situation. I don't know anyone close to her. But my perspective from the outside, the dad took advantage of everything to be able to control her money. Mm -hmm. So it's like so sad that instead of him being like, okay, she needs help and I should be there as a father, he took care of the business for her. Yeah, and I think the other crazy thing is that in the documentary, it showed that her father was not not a part of the picture at all with any of the business. Brittany was taking care of all of it. Her mom was helping her. Her guardian was helping her. He was nowhere until 
until this conservatorship happened. And for the people who don't know what a conservatorship is, let me give you a definition and a little bit of an understanding of what we're actually talking about. So a conservatorship is court-ordered authority and responsibility to, I'm going to read a definition, manage the affairs of those who can no longer make their own decisions about finances or health care. In a conservatorship, there are actually two different types of conservatorships. One is just working with finances. This is, again, it's court ordered and you have a guardian basically who is taking care of your finances because you have done something or it has been proven that you cannot have control over your finances and that somebody else needs to do that because you can't make decisions to do that. The other one is actually over the person. You can have a conservatorship over not only finances, but the person themselves. So that is healthcare that's making any decisions with how you live your life, where you live, anything like that. You have no control over it if you are in a conservatorship. That person that holds the conservatorship, the guardian, has all the power to make all the decisions. And usually with conservatorships, they're like a very last resort for any legal action. Um, It's if you really cannot, if you're incapacitated, you can't make those decisions to yourself, that's when a conservatorship happens. And it's court ordered, things like that. It is hard to get rid of. It's hard to get out of. And it's hard to get in it too, because there are doctor visits you have to do. There are reports that have to go on. There's a court case that is opened. So it's a very, it's a very sticky situation to be in. Yeah. That's what I feel like he took advantage of the situation because she wasn't the perfect moment to prove and more so with the media that she was not able to take care of herself. Mm -hmm. There was one thing in the documentary like right after he takes care of everything he puts her on a reality tv i didn't even know this like back then like i I was never fan of reality tv so i never saw them but i didn't even know there was a reality tv of her and then in the reality tv she says they hear me but they are not listening and i'm like she's right there in front of the camera and she's telling you and you are not listening And then we get to like get a small peek of their relationship and you can see that it's not a good relationship. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's interesting too, because that was like, I want to say only a few years after the conservatorship happened. And she was already saying, I can make these decisions. You're not listening to what I have to say. You're not listening to anything that I do. So cool. Mm -hmm. And I think- It's so interesting, just like thinking back to exactly what you're saying, that dynamic of her father. And she actually, in the documentary, it talks about how Brittany met with another lawyer who said, I do not want my father to be the conservator of Mm -hmm. this. Anyone else is fine. Anyone. It's interesting because she was open to it. Like she, she herself saw that, okay, maybe I do need someone to help me out. I just don't want my father to be that person. And he mm-hmm. were in 2021 and like in the documentary, they said it's been 12 years. So that's crazy. Yeah. 12 years of not being able to not only take control of your finances, but also your life. Mm-hmm. He had control over 
every part of everything. All business decisions, the tours, the Vegas show, TV appearances, everything was all him. All that conglomerate of people that have been put in place. And Which is, yeah. it's crazy too, because like, I wrote it down, like, she is well enough to work, make tours, be on a residency in Las Vegas that I've never been into a residence in Las Vegas, but um, my understanding is the same thing as theater. She's going to have like seven or eight shows. If she's well enough to handle that kind of work, then she can make her own decisions. Yeah. And when I loved when they do one of her backup dancers from the Vegas show and she had all control over the shows and how they were put together. And he said, yeah, she made all of those decisions. She was in charge. She had every ability to make these decisions. I love when they put her that she says she's like making a decision and they call her a diva and she's like I'm not a diva I just know what I want and I'm like that's the same that's the whole point of this it's like because it's a woman they immediately put her like she's a diva she's demanding too much if it's a man that would be a so much different story Mm-hmm. We vilify women having strength and having power and having the ability to make decisions and be strong and be angry or frustrated or anything like that. It still happens today. It's, I mean, it's not, well, I don't know if it's as bad, but it still happens. I mean, look at the depiction of Nancy Pelosi and different things and the fact that she stands up for what she believes in or Kamala Harris, our vice president now, when all the debates started happening, all the other rhetoric that happened around the fact that she's a woman and can she lead? Women are strong. I love what you said. I'm speaking, okay? I'm speaking. Speaking, let me speak. It's, It's just so... I think the narrative is changing. I think that's a part of this too. It's like this story of the Britney movement, this documentary that came out, the free Britney movement, the fact that women are in power, the fact that women like us can have a podcast and just talk about it is it's changing the narrative. We're changing the way that it is seen. It's going to take a while. It's going to take a little bit longer, but we're changing the narrative. And I think that's the most important part of like that piece of like the women voice piece is we're actually having a voice and people are listening instead of completely dismissing. And I think the Me Too movement, the women's rights movements that have happened um, have been really instrumental in starting that conversation on a larger level. I also think that within that context, the women of color still don't have enough voice. They still are not given the platform and the ability to speak and be heard the way that white women are. And that is something that we still need to work on. And hopefully we can continue to make that better. Mm-hmm. It's so true. It's also like, if you think just about money, like how different everyone gets paid on the same movie because it's a man because it's a woman because it's a latina woman because it's a black woman like you all doing the same transgendered woman yeah if you're doing the same job and you're a co-star and you're the main actor you should be paid the same amount Mm -hmm. like there is no doubt in that and i feel like we are starting the conversation i just feel like personally it's too slow and like we have so much against us because this white man is still the 
top of it and until we can get people from the minority to be on the table making the decisions of who gets casting things are gone, not going to change idea of inclusion of everyone at all and it doesn't matter what you look like we're all human and the racial construct that has been created and the level of superiority that has been created alongside of it needs to be dismantled we need to dismantle white supremacy dismantle the patriarchy if we can but it's all of those systems that are already created that we as the people who have voices need to continue talking about it we need to continue to say something about it and doing our own work to make sure that our biases are in check so that when we're doing that work, we're actually not speaking for other people, but we're helping rise people's voices and letting them tell their own stories. To bring it back to Brittany and the documentary, like we also have to learn how we talk about women in our family check who you're listening to is another big one. And I mean, when we're talking about Britney, you know, people who are child stars, people who started out in the business young, like Britney did. So many other people we know of, Michael Jackson. You know, she was with Christina in the Disney Christina. show. Mm -hmm, exactly. And she had, she had the same thing. Like when she was growing up and she wanted to show that she was growing up, she was criticized because she was showing up more her skin. She went more sexy. She She's a woman now. She's not a, that little girl that you saw on Disney. And people want to like hold people in this bubble and not let them grow. Yeah. And we can also bring in um, Miley Cyrus into this conversation. When she grew up as a Disney kid, you know, Hannah Montana, that alter ego. And then when she stopped wanting to be Hannah Montana, they stopped the show, which was great. They had that beautiful movie. Mm -hmm. And then she went off and did her own thing. And she went, quote, unquote crazy but she was doing things that she wasn't able to do before she had to separate herself from mm. that image and that idea of who she was so that she could become who she actually is we could talk about like Demi Lovato and Selena um, Gomez Selena Gomez you know same ideas mm. those are the ones those are the ones that we're talking about right now because those are the ones we grew up with <laughs> uh, but there's so many more like but we have the examples of the awesome twins that's They went away because they mm -hmm. couldn't deal with it. I feel like they're one of the smarter people that I think of our generation. They're like, okay, they're not gonna accept us growing up. So let's do something else. And like, they're still making money and like having their business, but they have their private lives. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I mean, we could also talk about like Leonardo DiCaprio. Like he's another one. Started out as a child star. We know nothing about him. Yeah. Which I think is awesome. It's, but we get to see what he chooses. And I think that in itself is such beautiful power that you can have as a celebrity that we, I think, should give to everyone. Kind of taking all of this back to the mental health piece is that when you have so many people looking inside of your life and nothing is your own, how do you know how you can have it? And with the 
with Brittany, you know, I bring up the child stars because she was one of those people that would quote unquote die young. Those people who would have that experience of like a Macaulay Culkin where, you know, child star gets into drugs, gets into all these self-destructive behaviors. And then can some point, some people can die young. Some people don't. Some people get out of it. Some people get out of the business altogether. Who's the, the Matilda star? Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, she had a brilliant article that came out mm-hmm. right after the Free Britney episode. And she talked about the same thing. The fact that she was a child star. There were all these things that were, you know, she was supposed to do. And she decided to get out of it. She decided to leave. And she talked about like her place and her ideas with like what happened with Britney. And she now kind of understands what was going on and has better understanding of what's happening. But it's it's crazy the fact that we don't look at the fact that all of those self-destructive behaviors or that dying young comes into play because of how they were treated when they were kids and what has happened and the fact that their lives are not their own. And we could go all the way back to even Judy Garland. I mean, she was a child star popping. They gave her pills on set to keep her awake, to keep her moving. And that turned into an addiction, which then turned into the things that ultimately led to her death. And it's that idea and that not understanding of mental health and that understanding of the fact that people need their space that creates a lot of the issues that we have, I think, in society with celebrities. Okay, so I find the article where you're talking. (laughs) Awesome. It is, it was in the New York Times. It's titled The Lies Hollywood Tells About Little Girls. And it's it's written by Mara Wilson. And she was in Matilda and Mrs. Doubtfire. Brilliant. And she talks about her experiences and like some stuff that she went through, which is kind of like crazy for her age. And she's one of the ones that made the decision, okay, this is not for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure she loved being an actor and acting in the arts, but sometimes you have to step away because of your mental health or you can see where you're gonna, you can see the path and you can choose not to go. So she made the decision for herself. And I applaud her. Like she did, she could have been like a really big star because she did Matilda. That was one of my favorite movies growing up. It's so important to remember the celebrities are people. It's so important to remember that even though we we hold these people in such high regard because they are celebrities, they are the people who create the art that we ingest, they're humans just like all of us. They're just people. They have mental health issues. They have family issues. They have physical health problems. And we, in my opinion, we as a society need to make sure that we respect them for that part and let them have those lives so that things like the Britney conservatorship that she's really trying to get out of right now and is really working hard to get that demolished doesn't happen again. I really like one in a personal note, like I am cheering on of her to get off that 
mm-hmm. and to tell her story like I know like she can choose not to like she might stay private and like she used to like live her life but maybe for the mental health aspect I would love her to like tell us her story like yeah. be like this is what happened mm-hmm. I feel like she just sit down and just say that I am free and like live her life I I cannot wait for that day and I hope that a tell-all book comes out very soon after and Mm -hmm. it's yeah her voice and her story needs to be told by her and Mm -hmm. hopefully sometime soon she will actually have the ability to do that yes and then we are kind of wrapping it up but I wanted to mention that in the future we will talk about um, depression and suicide and kind of like overdose so talking about Brittany I went in a google hole and researched celebrities that like haven't to go through the same thing most of them are women obviously like we mentioned before Brittany Christina Lindsay Lohan the Olsen twins Miley Cyrus Selena Gomez Demi Lovato Taylor Swift which is the power of men controlling them and their art Mm-hmm. Bella Thorne mm-hmm. Ariana Grande and then we have like actresses that have trouble or like made them seem like they had trouble on set like um, Rose McGon and Alyssa Milano because mm-hmm. I remember those tableaus back then mm-hmm. they were crazy and Shanna Doherty and Drew Barrymore and then another list talking about suicide or like people that die um naturally or overdose you want to read that one the people yeah yeah so some of those there are most likely many more but some people who have died from either natural causes or suicide um because of like mental health issues or had mental health issues or did overdose at some point some of those are Anna Nicole Smith Robin Williams Marilyn Monroe Kurt Cobain Alexander McQueen the fashion designer Kate Spade that huge it one that came out um celebrity chef anthony bourdain mac miller lincoln park frontman chester bennington amy winehouse prince heath ledger philip seymour hoffman whitney houston michael jackson Brittany murphy the list goes, goes on. on and on and on and those are just celebrities like that's not even yeah. just regular people mm-hmm. that's celebrities and those like that goes back to mental health like and the pressure that the media and the paparazzi and the audience the public we put on them because these people die even before social media mm-hmm. aspect I mean talk about talent like Amy Winehouse like I love her voice and there was a documentary about her too you can see that and I think it's on Netflix and mm-hmm. it's so sad to see someone so good and then struggling with their own life and people around them just like Brittany are making money of them and they're not helping them I know and I feel like from a like social work standpoint every celebrity gets a social worker like everybody gets a health (laughs) advocate that's there that's just there and I think one of the things with Brittany is that for a long time her guardian that was a friend of the family was that person was that person to be that advocate was that helping hand to make sure that she was okay and her mom too were big parts of that and still are but they just don't have the power to to do anything anymore. 
back then when Brittany went through her episode, that's what I'm going to call it. Because from a mental health person, that's how I feel like she was in that moment in an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe that she might have postpartum depression. I can't say that she did because I don't know her. And in that moment, you really thought that sh- this is it. Like she's, she's going to either kill herself or she's going to overdose. Like people like Anna Nicole Smith, they overdosed, but it was prescribed yeah. drugs. And that's what people don't understand too. Like there's so much pressure on them that sometimes they need medicine to sleep. Um, They can be sick. So they're taking that medicine too. And like, you you don't know, you mix so many drugs. Anyone can overdose in their house. Yeah, They're just celebrities. So we know about them. They're taking the medicine because they feel so much pressure. And when we saw Brittany, I myself thought she was going to the same same destiny as them and the hard part is like in that moment because all these celebrities were dying of we kind of like didn't even thought of them as human it was oh something someone else died okay yeah like we took it as something normal that insensitivity Mm -hmm. to a tragedy I feel like the same thing kind of happened before the pandemic with school shootings or Mm -hmm. mass shootings in general they were happening so often that we became numb to the fact that they existed and it's a part of society that I think hopefully is changing I think the the idea of mental health is changing the idea of like looking at people and their situations differently is changing so I'm hoping that through all of this that's something that continues to change and continues to move forward in a positive direction because we can't do what we've been doing Mm-hmm. we just can't yeah definitely like for people in the arts whether you have fame or not you have to be aware who you have around you who is looking out for you as a person as your mental health and not thinking of you as a money maker yeah because once you you get so big you will need so many people with you to help you navigate all the stuff and they're getting paid for your work mm-hmm. for their work so I feel like they too to become the disconnect from the person and just see it as a job yeah and I think if you are an artist look at who you have around you Mm -hmm. and because we become and we take pieces of ourselves from the people who are closest to us like the five most people that we talk to and that we have around us are how our lives change how our mental health changes how we think about ourselves or what we do so look at those people that are around you are they serving you are they helping you are they at the same point in life that you are Are they listening to you and actively listening and honoring your personal space because if they're not then maybe that's something to look at and see if there's a change there that you can make and it's not going to be easy mm-hmm. None, I will say this right now anything that we talk about on the mental health podcast is not going to be easy exactly it's not going to be sunshine and rainbows it's going to be hard it's going to be really difficult it's going to suck it's going to be uncomfortable and if you're willing to do the work if you're willing to have those conversations if you're willing to have these conversations then change will happen everyone needs somebody to reach out and say hey how you doing everyone so any final thoughts on Brittany I look forward to hearing more about this I look forward to continuing having conversations about how we look at celebrities and their their health and their mental health and that's really it I'm very glad that we were able to have this combo today yes so stay tuned for the other episodes and we have a special announcement is that in the coming um, future then Maggie will have 
her own episodes. Yeah. So um, something exciting is that I'm going to take some episodes of this podcast and kind of take charge and talk about some difficult issues. We're going to talk to some people uh, in my life and outside who have some things that I think need to be talked about. And yeah, it's going to be pretty fun. I'm excited. No, I'm super excited um, for the people that are listening. This podcast is mainly, well, it's all about the arts. And I mainly did it for interviewing people in the arts because I like to get to know people in their work. I, I'm very conscious, like with the Britney Spears, that I don't like to touch people's private life. It's just about the work. So we have that on Mondays. And then I am someone who suffers anxiety. So I, I did want it to have episodes about mental health, but I thought it was going to be like a mini series and this is going on. <laughs> But um, since I invited um, Maggie in and she gladly, like she happily let us have her here with us, um, it has grown. So we are excited for the future of this episode. So stay tuned for Thursdays. Yep. And before we end, I was supposed to do this in the beginning and I forget. <laughs> I was supposed to announce everyone that I have a song coming out. Right. Exciting. <laughs> yes. So for anyone that haven't listened to the intro, some of the episodes, I talk about um, my upcoming book coming in May 2021. I wrote it last year during the pandemic about anxiety. So it's mostly poems and thoughts about me struggling with anxiety during the pandemic. I am very raw. It's very open and shows you how exactly a mind of the anxious person is. Um, so I wanted to either people that have anxiety identify with me or people that don't know anxiety can see have a peak of how an anxious persons think so with that i have a friend that she does music and we were talking about the book and like we were trying to like think about ways to promote the book and she's like why don't we write a song about it like why don't we write a song inspired in the book that happened like two weeks ago it was so fast so we met up in her apartment there's two of my friends they do music money meets and leave a scar and we got in the apartment we write the song last week we went to the studio Studio. So we were doing the the song and like the covers, the hook is like two lines only. So I was like, okay, I can do that. And yeah. then we each wrote um, a verse of anxiety on our own point of view. So the song That's is amazing. called POV, anxiety. So our point of view of anxiety. Tomorrow, Friday, the song is out. Woo! <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to listen. Yes, I'm excited. Um, it was such a, let's take a little like reminder that we talked about anxiety last episode. If anyone wants to catch that and listen to us talking about anxiety, it was such a big deal for me just to like be in the studio and then to step in and do the song. Until that moment that I got to the studio, I didn't think I was going to do it. I was like, oh, you guys do music, you guys sing. <laughs> like I was okay writing the music because like I was inspiring that. So my verse is like... Um, um, like reciting so I wrote it like a poem I sing the hook but the verse it was more like reciting the poem and it's bilingual so it will be in Spanish and English so. nice 
I'm excited for you guys to hear it (laughs) and nervous. (laughs) Of course. If we don't get nervous when we're creating something, we're not doing what we love again. Yeah. And this is me sharing with you on the mental health to be like, I have anxiety and I doubted myself until the moment I got into the studio, but I did it anyway. So you can, with therapy, with help, with your friends, because my friends were there (laughs) supporting me to get you to the other side. You can do it. Yes. Affirmation. Love of everything. Perfect. Remind everyone our email. Yes, of course. Um, So again, thanks everybody for listening today. I hope you found something interesting to think about. If you have an idea for a future episode, would like to share your story, would like for us to talk about something uh, in depth, please feel free to send us an email. Our email is the 7 p.m. cafe podcast at gmail.com. Please feel free to use that. We're anxiously awaiting people to give us some feedback and see what else we can do for you. Yes. And also remember to follow us on Instagram at the 7 p.m. cafe podcast. So the email and the Instagram is the same. And it will be also included in the description of the episode if you need to visually see it. So thank you, Maggie. Thanks, Lucy. Thanks for having me again. And I just want to say thanks everybody who listened. Stay safe, stay strong, and be kind. Until next time. Bye. Bye. The Mental Health Miniseries podcast airs every Thursday. If you have questions that you would like to ask the hosts, Lucy and Maggie, please feel free to email us at the7pmcafepodcast at gmail.com. If you are experiencing a mental health emergency, please contact 911, your local mental health crisis response team, or the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. The number again is 1-800-273-8255. And that line is in English, in Espanol, and for the deaf or hard of hearing. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you around. Mm-hmm.